0: Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers, sisters, boys and girls. May I assume that you all know what a biography is. For those who don't, it's a description of someone's life from the beginning till the end of it. Now, if you have to write a biography about our Lord Jesus Christ, how many chapters would that contain? Well, Obviously, a chapter about his childhood. And if you had the information about his boyhood, how he grew up, also the period of his adult life, yes, until the last part, also when he died. This is how a biography is created, written. But, beloved, the biography of our Lord does not seem so. Varied. According to the Apostles' Creed, there are only two chapters. Born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate and died. And Lord's Day 15 largely jumps also from his birth to his suffering and death. Why not a separate chapter about Jesus' life teachings, or the miracles that he performed. The point is, if you had to give a title to Jesus' biography, and that is what we find in Scripture, although the Gospels describe a big part of his life, though mainly the last three years, the title of that biography would be he had to suffer. If there's one man that was born to die, then only Jesus qualified. And that's why Lose 15 does not ignore the rest of his life. No, that life is precisely summarized here at the core. He was born to die for the world. And that's why we can define his biography with one word, suffering. As Jesus himself has often referred to it, I had to suffer. That's what I came for, to do the will of my Father. And that's why he's often called the Lamb in the Bible. That's a vulnerable name of our Lord it's a name that shows that, well, the way God will overcome all evil. And he does so in a wonderful way, by sacrificing His son. You know, for us to overcome evil, we often get angry or upset about it, because we want to get grip on evil. Or get it out of our lives. We want to turn it around. But often it's too powerful, too overwhelming for us. But our Lord does it very differently. He says, here I am. I've come to do it. I've come to die. I can handle evil. But then only in my way, I would be the lame to be slaughtered. In this way, take all evil with me on the cross. And so our evil thoughts, actions, words had to come down to him, on him, on the cross. And this is what we want to see this afternoon. When I preach you the gospel as we confess in Lord's Day 15, Christ's death on the cross reminds us that God is holy, that Christ is the Holy Lamb, and that our lives should be holy. Christ's death on the cross reminds us that in the first place God is holy. The cross was a severe, a heavy punishment. It was heavy even for the Lord Jesus. One sends that when Jesus kneels to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass by me. Jesus asking this indicates that what awaits him is going to be severe heavy heavy as hell this is how god teaches us to to look at the cross but looking at the cross is mostly and foremostly acknowledging that god is holy and that's why the cross is so heavy That was already evident in the Old Testament worship that was, so to speak, there was, so to speak, an atmosphere of, of holiness in the temple. It was sacred there, especially in the most part, the holiest part of the tabernacle and later the temple. And everyone who who came into the tabernacle, as we read in Hebrews Hebrews nine, had to take that into account. In that atmosphere, in that holy atmosphere was always this this element of danger. Don't forget where you are now. You don't just deal here with a sinful human being. No, you are directly facing God. And actually that is impossible because God simply cannot stand evil. Therefore, God designed all kinds of protocols at the temple. God had to give all kinds of safety instructions, safety measurements for the sake of the priests that entered the tabernacle. In that regard, the, the sanctuary was, was a closed unit. Nobody was allowed there unless the particular sacrifice had been made and the cleansing rituals took place. And one could say that there was always a measure of tension with God's holy presence there. And that's why there was strictly prohibited access. God can't tolerate a sinful man just walking into his sanctuary. His majesty just would not allow it. If sin is near to God, then the lightning of His holiness hits. Think of that history, of the history with Uzzah. Uzzah, When he stretched out his hand to prevent the Ark of the Covenant falling off the wagon. You know what happened. He died. He thought he could just touch the Ark, God's holy throne, with his sinful hands by the Ark of the Covenant, was the throne of God on earth. In fact, every bit of the temple service carried that warning. Beware, God is holy. And we see the same principle woven throughout the law of Moses. Be holy because I am holy. And so all these Old Testament rules surrounding the the, the worship in the tabernacle had this one message. You just can't deal with God as if he is your mate, or like any other God, idol. All those rules said, I am a supreme, holy, sovereign God, full of holiness. And you are a being stained with sin and by nature full of unrighteousness. You are defiled in what you say, and what you think, and what you do. Unholy, unholy in who you are. That's the tension felt every day in the temple service. A tension that was deadly. Access to the Most Holy was strictly forbidden. Except once a year, then the high priest priest could enter after a lengthy series of sacrifices and rituals. Again highlighting the fact that access to the Holy God was only possible through death. The death of a sacrificial animal. And thus, beloved, from the beginning, God has already defined the severity of the cross, because year after year the high priest went inside the most holy, every time it emphasized God's holiness and the sinfulness of men, and that access to God is only possible through death. And this continued until the high priest from heaven would come, until the ultimate sacrifice was made on the cross, until the priest who became the lamb became the sacrifice himself. And therefore the cross of Christ, of the lamb, is not a cheap solution to the problem of our death, our sins. The cross is, so to speak, loaded with God's holiness. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass. And if there was an easier way, God would have saved His Son from a crucifixion death. But God's holiness would not allow this to happen. That's why we need it. One in our place. One showing us how sinful we are and how holy God is. Maybe not a very comforting message so far, Asian. maybe even frightening. Well, that is also the inten- intention. Well, because sometimes it is so easy for us To forget God's holiness. And therefore the Lord needs to remind us of His holiness. Access to this holy God is only through death. But then we can also be very grateful that there is access. For the high priest who became the lamb, the sacrifice eventually made it possible for us to access, to have access to God through his suffering. Yes? Through his suffering. That's the biography of Jesus. Access to a holy God through suffering. And therefore we come to the second point. Christ is the holy lamb. There's only one place where we are not consumed by God's holiness. A place where we, we are safe from God's wrath. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. There we are totally safe. And that's why our catechism specifically mentions the curse of the cross. As you know, only an outcast. Would hang on the cross, cast so to speak, away from the community. You, when you hang there, you were cursed. You are cursed. That's the, the message of the cross. And that is what, what Jesus carried out in those three hours of darkness. He took God's wrath that would have consumed our lives, He took it on Himself. And we can never, congregation, we can never gauge, we can never fathom the severity of that and of the power behind God's wrath, God's eternal wrath. Yes, we have a few examples in Scripture. It's the same wrath and the same power behind this wrath that drowned this earth during the flood in Noah's days. It's the same wrath that called hells and brimstone raining on Sodom and Gomorrah. It's God's wrath that will one day cleanse this world with fire. That wrath, that curse was carried by a mean. Indeed it was an immense miracle that this was possible. Indeed, how extremely safe we are at the cross of Christ. the congregation, there is also something else about Christ's suffering. Those three hours of darkness showed us also a completely deserted man. Cursed and abandoned by God. For he hung there before God in a way that only God's enemies, you and me, by nature, would do. He curses them. And He abandons them. But in Christ's suffering, we see Him carrying that curse. This man was cursed. He was abandoned. But not His divine nature. For when Jesus came to take our place... He didn't rebel against the Father like man did, like the first Adam did in paradise. He's not like some of those lawyers today who, who defend their, their clients so aggressively that it seems as if the lawyer almost attacks the judge. As if he's trying to convince the judge, Your Honor, I don't care what you think, but my client is innocent. But congregation. He who died on the cross, our Lord, is not such a lawyer. And by taking the curse upon himself, he says, They are all guilty, all those who belong to me. He acknowledges that. Because he knows how holy his Father is. And that his Father's righteous judgment must prevail. Not one sin, not one transgression may stain His majesty and His holiness. And that's why Jesus wanted to fulfill the law with everything that goes with it. He wanted to be the holy Lamb, The one of the Father. It's especially true when when He stood before Pontius Pilate. Behind Pilate, Jesus, so to speak, sees his father. He sees God. God who directs redemptive history that that his son Jesus is innocently condemned and murdered to be able to carry that cross, that curse. And Jesus accepted that judgment. He bears the punishment in silence. With this, he says, Father, yes, even in that three hours, you were right. You had all the right to punish sin. That's all the very essence of Christ's death. He does not only came for us. No, he stands up for the rights of God, the holy God. Because he's there on behalf of God. But at the same time, he accepts us, sinful people. He accepts us so radically as the Holy Lamb that he takes our place and sacrifices himself for us. And he stays connected with Father on behalf of father of course this mystery of his suffering can never be completely explained and it will forever until the day of his return remains a mystery a mystery of love love for his father and his love for us sinful depraved beings but it shows us the position of the Holy Lamp of God, who ultimately took away the sins of this world. And now the big question. How do we respond to this gospel, known gospel, accepted and believed gospel? We, sinful beings, that brings us to the third point. Our lives should be holy. Again, congregation, laws 15, highlights the fact that Jesus took our place. But what does it say to you? Jesus took my place. Isn't it that we then, with us, express that we, and confess that we accept him as our Savior, and that His sacrifice, His suffering, totally colors our lives. In fact, His cross is written all over our lives. And beloved, it's important that we acknowledge this and accept the consequences associated with it. Because sometimes Yes, we can so easily talk, gospel talk, and try to walk gospel walk. And we can so easily say, Jesus took my place, even to the point that it becomes a cliche, a cheap kind of Christian message. as if if it was an an easy payment arrangement for debts that we made and and continue to accumulate. If that's the case, beloved, then the cross becomes a cheap excuse behind which you and I can hide every time we sin. It's like children who, who intentionally muck around. And when they're confronted oh, they play the poor victim and blame another. And the same with the cross. It's so easy to, to call upon Christ's work as a standby every time we fail. But beloved, Christ's cross is not available on demand to take care of our sins. That's why we too, today, in fact, always should remind ourselves that this cross means that our God is a holy God. And don't think that this perspective, this, this, the holiness of God, is something of an Old Testament cliche or from an Old Testament perspective. After all, those rules about the sanctification and so forth, have all been lifted in the meantime. Hebrews 9 verse 10. But they should still make us vigilant. Because they were previously made tangible by God to show His holiness. And how holy He is. And He wanted that to be imprinted with every washing, with every sacrifice, every room in the temple, every utensil used in the sanctuary, every prescription that surrounded Israel's life, I am holy. And even though God removed those precepts through the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, He did not remove His holiness No access, no, because it means that, yes, there is no access. The road is open to go to Him. We may enter into the presence of the Holy God thanks to the Holy Lamb. But we should never forget that to be with the Holy God is still forbidden for unholy people. We do not notice that anymore in an external way, like in the Old Testament. The earthly temple is out of service. And that is why all those laws surrounding the temple worship are no longer necessary. Christ is our temple in heaven. was broken down in three days and rebuilt at His resurrection. And since the three hours in Golgotha, all those precepts, In the Old Testament, can no longer show us how holy God is today. But we have Christ. He shows us how holy His Father is. And that His Father cannot tolerate sinful people before His face unless someone died. And so he punished his son, his dear son, with a bitter bitter death on the cross. And therefore, that cross determines our lives. Holiness. Holiness before a holy God through Christ. And yes, we are sanctified. But it did not deactivate us. Our sanctification calls us to live holy lives. It calls us to be holy. After all, we live with the same holy God as the priest in the Old Testament. Old Testament. And it's precisely what Hebrews 9 wanted to make clear. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God congregation do you see our conscience needs to be cleansed because God is still the holy one he really wants to live with us with his children That's why he gave the Holy Lamb, with a capital A L. In our place, that Lamb was carrying God's wrath. That's a big difference with the Old Testament. But only now, the road is free to live holy. And so, when we believe in Jesus Christ, who suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified in my place, I accept this gospel. Not for myself in the first place. I accept this gospel in order to live a life of holiness. That is how I know God as the holy God. When I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I turn to Him and said to Him, O Lord, have mercy on me. Me a sinner. The cross was severe. But it's also infinitely cheerful for us to be glad about. Because now we realize that we do not have to be afraid of this holy God. We only need to be holy. God doesn't want frightened children who try to live well, or holy even, out of the fear of hell. God wants those who confess a holy lamb and live a life guided by his Holy Spirit in a sanctified life life, to be in his presence. And therefore we look up and we look to him who suffered and we never get tired of looking at him who suffered suffering that is the word you can entitle the biography of Jesus Christ and you own my biography what would it be holy? Yes. Sanctified, we celebrate Pentecost. In fact, nothing else can be written in our biography than the cross of a holy lamp. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.